What's up, fine folks? Welcome to episode 32 of Double Tapped. I am Jay. I'm Tanner. Tanner. I've got high hopes for these. High hopes. Uh, as we said, so last night was uh, night one of the NCAA Men's Basketball Final Four. Yep. And it was also night one of WrestleMania. Yes. So we had a little shindig. Yeah. Beverages were consumed. Yeah. In varying quantities <laughs> by various people. Yeah, I had like three, I think, uh, over the course of like seven hours. So I've opted for non-beer, but beer adjacent today. Mm. Also, it's got a little hiss. Yeah, you're Maybe slowly you letting out the uh, yeah. carbonation. You got to do that. It's like, I don't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to, for the video for the video watchers. I was going to get there. Okay, all I'm right. Gonna all there. right, I'm just going to, all right. But I was very optimistic. I wanted to taste this beverage. Okay. And over the course of the beverage drinking, I'll tell you why I'm wearing sunglasses. Okay, well, hold on. Before we drink, we got to we gotta do the thing and read, read it. Yeah, it's the Lemonade. Yeah, see, see what they did there? From Ryan Geist, RG Bev. My, my, our beloved Ryan Geist. Indeed. Hardcraft beverage with lemon and natural flavors. A tart and refreshing blend of lemon and lime. There's two ampersands in one sentence. That's kind of crazy. Your new main squeeze. Real fruit, real flavor. It is 5%. It's reminiscent of something. Lemonade? But more, it's like sharper and limier. Ooh. Oh, I kind of like this a lot. Wow. Okay, I, I do like it. Yeah. But uh-huh. I it makes me think of pledge. <laughs> it did. Yeah, that's right. It's You're got totally a pledge right. element it to it. It tastes how pledge smells. And I always did like the smell of pledge. Yeah, it smells good. So I'm not gonna complain too hard about that. I like it. So uh I've been having some eye issues as of late. Yes. Uh went to the eye doctor for the first time in over fifteen years. Never been. Uh I'm pretty sure I got an eye exam once when I was like ten. Yeah. Just to do it. Yeah, you don't need check. glasses, you're good. Exactly. Yeah. I have had no vision issues ever since. Right. And these aren't even vision issues. I have like some glands gland <laughs> swelling. Yeah. Uh that has sort of contributed to and I think it's like because it blocks some of the fluid getting to my eyelid or eye eye gets dry easier. Sure. Gets a little irritated a little easier. Sure. And it's I'm supposed to not touch it. So all these things being mitigated by me wearing sunglasses. Yes. As I was wearing sunglasses last night, but I was staring at a giant, like a 75-inch television. Yeah. You know, after a few minutes of mockery, I think it made sense to everybody. No, no, no. It uh, made total sense. I kind of just forgot about the eye thing yeah. for a while. Oh, yeah. I was definitely not just sitting there sunglassed out for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, with that in mind. Yeah. Get better soon. I will do my best. I do I do apparently have to get it, re- well, should get it removed. Uh, not looking forward to that. So can't wait to tell you all that story whenever that happens. I will probably throw up. Because he has a thing with eyes. Yeah, that's my whole thing. I the, the only, like, phobia, if you want to call it that, I have is, like, any sort of damage to someone's eyes. Yeah. Which, side note. Okay. We're going to talk about video games in a minute, I promise. Movies lately. Ooh. I feel like every horror movie I've that's watched has some sort of eye thing. And it. I watch a lot of horror movies, and I just feel like that's just, like... A very, it must either be a very common like phobia kind of thing, it, or it's just something that's very uniquely exposed on a person. It is a play, no, I think that this is a somewhat ubiquitous thing, but you have a more yeah, acute it, yeah, sort it, of... It hurts me more than most. Yeah, but I definitely think everyone has like a sort of vulnerability about, oh, don't get around my eyes. Yeah. I don't even like people like putting your fingers in. Oh, no. Like, my girlfriend yeah. will just like start doing this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I would not want to do that. So... Anyway, 
Video on games. to the video game stuff. What you've been playing? Uh, lots more Horizon. I know that. Yes, I've, I've probably doubled my hours in Horizon, if Good. not more. You got to the thing. Yes, I got to the thing. Uh, we'll do a spoiler cast at some, at some point, point. Probably much later, because Jay's still doing Elden Ring. And yeah, not, and which I'll tell you in a second. Yeah, it'll take me weeks to finish this game, because um, I'm doing it all on the stream. But uh, even even more fond of it now than I was uh, Good. last time. Good. It's definitely in like the nine range for me at, at current moment. Uh, we'll see how it, how it rakes. Uh, the thing that we've talked about, or that Jay mentioned a couple of weeks back, uh, is a pretty interesting and a little, like, I don't know if worrisome is the right word, mm. but I don't love this little story beat, but maybe I will once I understand what's happening. Uh, it was just such a right turn yeah. as opposed to everything else. It definitely else. complicates things. Yes, which in in a way could make for a much better story yeah. to have sort of these two competing elements of, uh, like, your attention, but... Also, it's just like, oh, okay, yeah. let's see where we're going. Um, but yeah, combat has gotten even better. Uh, I, I only have, I, I've played long enough now to have two little minor complaints. Okay. Um, one of them is that it is not clear where you can, like, vault to as in uh, terms of a ledge unless you use your little scan. Sure. And I wish it was, like, I understand the game is kind of built around you scanning a lot. But that's just an extra button press. And if it's just a rock facing, do the Uncharted thing or the Tomb Raider thing where it's very clear, okay, these are the ledges I can jump to, these aren't. Um, I forget what my other minor complaint was. I did, I have run into one uh, fight ending glitch. Mm. Uh, I was doing a boss fight and the boss sort of, the boss had some sort of grab attack where he like grabs you, hoists you up and like talks to you or whatever. Um, Or, you know, probably like punches you. But for some reason, when he went to grab, I don't know if it was where my camera was or where I was positioned or whatever, but Aloy just (laughs) T-posed. And then I could not do anything and just had to accept the death and restart the fight, Mm -hmm. which streaming it made it funny. But if I was playing just by myself, I'd probably laugh and be like, oh, man, I have to do this whole fight again. It's a little frustrating. Um, But yeah, there have been little tiny complaints here and there, but nothing, nothing major. And I've I've really enjoyed my time with it so far. Yeah, Uh, I've also been playing. Uh, oh, have I talked about have I talked about Fury yet? Not here. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I can't remember if that was last week or this week. Uh, so I finished Fury, mm-hmm. which was a PlayStation Plus game. F U R I, correct? Yes, F U R I, correct. Um, it is. It was a play. Yeah, it was a Plus game like three years ago. It's been a while, uh, and it is a sort of arcadey top down. Well, sort of top-down. It's like that 2.5 can switch cameras uh-huh. thing, but a lot of the combat's from top-down. Uh, boss rush type game. It is very reminiscent of like a Souls game, but uh, in terms of the boss fights being hard, and that's, I guess, kind of where the similarities stop. Um, but it's it's the boss fights are more akin to like Returnal, mm. where there's just a ton of shit coming at you and you have to figure out how to process it all. Uh, but something that's really interesting about it, and I think I've talked about I think I started it like a, a month or so ago, so I may have talked about some of this already on the podcast, but um, the fights are very long. Mm. So like each boss fight to complete it takes like 20 minutes, uh, which sucks when you fail. Sure. But each subsequent try, you know more of what they're going to do, so you get faster at it. But also, uh, so the, the, the health bar structure is really interesting. So you have like a health bar that you have to clear from a boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and normally for most fights, there are exceptions, but for most fights, uh, the the boss will 
I said that like Italian, like the, the boss, uh, the boss will do like the top down arcadey shooting thing for the first part of his health bar. Then the second part of his health bar is a like ghost of Tsushima style sword fight. Interesting. Yeah. So it like goes into a different camera mode. You're doing like this, a lot of parrying and all of that. Um, so it's like guns for the first part, swords for the second. Each wave, normal boss, I think, has like four or five waves, and each wave is a little different, um, and some in some cases a lot different. But if if you like beat one of their lives, let's just call them lives. If you beat one of their lives, then if you lost a life, whenever you lose a life, that life just resets for the boss. Mm-hmm. But if you take one of their lives, you get one back. So there's a lot of like, as long as you can stay alive long enough to just beat that wave, you might get a life back and suddenly you're back in. Yeah. Um, so that dynamic's really cool. It took me about four hours to beat, not super long, but definitely a very like focused four hours. Yeah. It, it was very, some of the boss fights were really hard. A couple of the boss fights are incredible. Like some of my favorite boss fights ever. Um, the soundtrack is insane. It's very vaporwave, cyberpunk so it style like stuff. Wavy, just at least yes. the visuals too. Yeah, it is. It is. It is all that. And uh, yeah, totally recommend it. Uh, big big fan of that. And then the only thing I've uh, the only other thing I've been playing is uh, I'm back to Moonlighter. Mm. I, for some reason, that game has grabbed me again, and I I beat the fourth dungeon or the third dungeon. So now I'm on the fourth dungeon, and that's it. If you had to score Fury, I mean, you've beaten it. Have you True. given any thought to that? Uh, I think on. The GG thing. I think I gave it four out of five stars. Mm. The only, uh, my only real critique, and maybe it's even higher than that. It's just four hours is such a short experience. It's hard to be like that was a ten. Some, sure. Sometimes. Sure. I mean, obviously, like Gone Home, I think is, is a great game. But um, my only complaints were I didn't care at all about the story. Yeah. Like the story did not interest me at all. It, it's, uh, and I was a little. There are moments that can be really annoying because the hardest part of the boss fight is at the end uh, so if that part takes all your lives then you have to restart just, and do all four of yeah. the five before then so that's annoying um there's one fight in particular that i believe they're all called like the hand the sound the chain things like that i think it's called oh shoot i've forgotten it now the hammer it might be the chain the hammer. Do they have Daryl Isaacs in other places? <laughs> yeah, he's the. Uh, Surely you guys know who Daryl Isaacs is. Yeah, Daryl Isaacs is, is nation. Okay. Um, the hammer. The, uh, <coughs> I thought you meant the game. He's the he's the final boss, Daryl Isaacs. Um, the the scrape. What's it called? Anyway, it's like a green. If you play the game, you'll know what it is. It's a green swampy boss, and the final phase of that fight is so hard yeah. that it took me probably an hour of my four hours to beat just that boss. Um, so little complaints like that. Uh, and then the only other thing is it is boss rush, but there are these kind of, I think unnecessary, which they're taken out. If you do the speed run mode, um, just like, but between each boss fight is when you get little bits of the story and you just walk very slowly to the next <laughs> arena. And it's just like, nah, just you, granted, you can just press X and it'll auto walk for you. So that's kind of nice. Oh. But, uh, I didn't discover so it just that becomes a cutscene. Yeah. Huh. I didn't discover that's that until later. So Tip for you if you pick up Fury. Press X after the boss fight so you just can let go of the controller. It's very odd. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, so there's little things like that, but overall, really fun game. Uh, doesn't take much of your time. The trophies, I've thought about going for them, but some of them seem really hard. Yeah. There's a there's a trophy for... There, there are speedrun trophies, mm-hmm. which always are difficult. And then there was one that was like defeat... I, can't, I think it's like 
defeat so many bosses. Oh, it's get S rank on the hardest difficulty. Mm. And to get S rank, you have to basically not ever lose a life, and you have to only take a certain amount of hits for each fight. <sighs> and you have to do the really hard like bonus fight. So it's it's one of those. Yeah, sure. But uh, the game overall is really really fun. Yeah, I think that's one that I'm like 85% sure I added when it was free on PS Plus like two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, which I would be curious now just if ever you know, need something to play. Seems like a good, you know, pop in, yep. give it a shot kind you, of game. You can totally watch Especially other stuff play it. with my taste. Sure, Seems yeah. like a game I might enjoy. Yeah, totally. So for me, just Elden Ring. Yeah. Nothing else. How many hours are you this in now? This week three update of Elden Ring, I believe. <laughs> um, 72 hours in. Okay. And my understanding, I think, is... I basically have two main bosses that are pretty much back to back to beat to beat the game. Okay. Um, so I'm basically at the end. Yeah. I've reached the clear cut. There is a moment I had said that I was like eighty ish percent of the way through the game, I think a week ago, and mm-hmm. that was when I was like sixty ish hours in. That yeah. was probably about rights. Okay. But there is a moment that happens and timing wise it's hard to even say because it depends on how you approach the game sure there is a moment where i would say okay this moment sort of defines you are now in the end game sure okay um so i think there is a clear cut thing it, it's there. uh it's the uh you may want to go get all the inventory stuff you need kind of moment i assume. you ever think a dark souls actually has that kind of no message no for no, you? no, no but it doesn't. you know what i'm talking about yeah um and actually just because for a little bit of fun okay and i think this might be something we want to approach as a full-fledged topic at some point in the near future okay uh i have made a brief list of Elden Ring Beginner's Guide tips. <laughs> All like right. Like things that I wish I would have known. Sure. That are not made overt. Yeah. That are just good to know, not spoilery, like nothing like that. These are just things that legit. Okay. When you go into this game, these are mechanics that will be helpful for you to know so you don't have to just randomly happen upon them. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so a few things. First off, I didn't learn this until like three or four days ago. Okay. If you dual wield... Yeah. Weapons of the same type. So if you have a weapon in each hand mm-hmm. and it's the same type of weapon, yeah. you go into something called power stance. Okay. And when you use power stance, the if you attack with the weapon in your left hand, it'll swing both weapons at the same time. Oh. So if you have some sort of elemental effect on both weapons, yeah. you can get the effects of both with each swing. Oh, that's cool. So that helps with like... If you've got, like, mine is a bleed build, or if you do a frost build, or yeah. a magic build, like, whatever. I'm going to fix this battery thing. Okay. <laughs> That's going to help you, you know, get the full effects of whatever uh, build you decide to do. Tanner's officially under the table. He's going deep. He's getting in there. I'm going to do a little bit of play-by-play. All right. There's a cord. Camera's going to cut. It's being fiddled with. Here we go. Oh, God. Things have gone dark. There are definitely moments in Elden Ring that if you don't have a torch... This is what it's going to be like. Oh, hey, we're fixed. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, It okay. just does, it's, so, ah, it's kind of boring to explain. Never mind. I don't care about it. Yeah, never mind. Uh, so that's the power stance rule there. So left attack only is the thing that works for that. Okay. Next up, I said don't sweat your early build because it has the respec mechanic yeah. in the game, but upgrading your weapons early in the game is difficult because the materials required to upgrade your weapon are kind of hard to come by early on. Okay. So kind of you probably need to commit to a weapon early on. Don't have 3 or 4 that you're sort of milling about between. Sure. Later in the game, I mean I just the other day I bought a weapon and was able to go get everything to completely upgrade it like almost instantly. Oh wow. Okay. So it's late in the game you're able to you're do fine, that, but yeah. early in the game you kind of have to commit. Right. Uh, so there's this 
these things that you will collect in the game called great runes. Okay. They're basically like shards of the Elden Ring um, that you get from different bosses. And they have different effects. But the way that it is implied in the game is that, oh, it's like, oh, this this rune just upgrades all your stats. And it's like, okay, would you like to equip it at this bonfire or site of grace is what they're called in this yeah. game. And you equip it. My assumption was that, oh, I equipped it. All my stats have been raised. That's not the case. Okay. You have to use a consumable called a rune arc to okay. get the benefits of whatever great rune you have equipped. Gotcha. And the effects last until you die, and then you'd have to use another rune arc yeah. to get the effects. So I did not know that for a while. Okay. Um, I love the basic enemies should take three hits to kill standard. I just wrote that down. I don't remember <laughs> who I got that from, but that's a great rule. Yeah. So remember that. So that, for if you didn't hear past episodes, yeah. it's if if your normal enemy doesn't take three hits to kill, you're probably in an area that's too strong for you. Exactly. It, it's very, the game is excellent at sort of telling you when you're under leveled. Okay. Uh, summons, a mechanic that I did not start using until like a week ago. Okay. Are overpowered. In a lot of ways. Okay. They have trivialized a couple of bosses that otherwise would probably be incredibly difficult. Okay. Trivialized might be a strong term. Sure. But I beat bosses in one or two tries that might otherwise take me ten tries. Oh, wow. Um, to use summons requires your magic bar, your mana. Okay. Again, I've, so, I've used this bar so this, little. I know. This is for future reference. <laughs> yeah, it's so there's so um, many things being thrown out. You get these summons, you collect them, and you... Use them just like you would use, like, your healing flask. Sure. You just scroll through your little group of items. Your summon comes up. You use it. It takes some of your magic. One of them takes some of your health. So make sure you know the rules. But, like, <laughs> that's how you equip them. I didn't know that for a while. I thought it was, like, maybe a thing that only magic users did. Oh, uh, okay. No. As long as you have just enough focus points, as they're called, to have the summon, that's all you need. Okay. So they work in the same way that your flasks do. And then the last thing... Do not be afraid to just run through and find a site of grace. Oh, yeah. Because I have noticed this game is a lot more plentiful with the checkpoints oh, okay. than previous FromSoft games. So okay. as long as you look, there's some that are kind of tucked away and hidden. Sure. But as long as you're sort of checking every room, looking around every corner as you go, you'll probably find one close to a boss or you know, a decent chunk in, you're like, oh, I've been running a long time. There's got to be one around. There right. probably is. Right. So, okay. don't be afraid to do that. I could come up with 15 more because this game is obviously <laughs> just so much. Yeah. Um, but that's a brief beginner's guide. Uh, and I'll actually circle back to something about that later on. Okay. But, for now, this was a ginormous news week. Yes, it was. Uh, we almost did an emergency pod. And it's probably a good thing that we didn't. Yeah, because other stuff came out. Exactly. Yeah. So let's just go through it all one by one. Okay. By the way, uh, just for video listeners, I'm not on my phone. I'm just time stamping. Yeah. He's stamping the times. Thing one. Yeah. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel has officially been delayed to 2023. Yup. And sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in the camp that was like, you know, there's a fervor around this game that maybe, I mean, Elden Ring might be the closest comparison of like there wasn't a fervor around a game like this for a while. Sure. But they were like, when's it coming out? Now we learned when it was coming out and then it got delayed. I'm just in the camp of I'm going to play it when it comes out. Probably. Yeah. But I mean, I'm also kind of like, am I going to get my Switch back out for this? You will. <laughs> yeah, I will. Because you totally. absolutely love Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games ever. Yeah. Um, I'm still like, yeah, I want to play it, but I'm like, eh, you know. 
okay. Yeah, I, but I know you were. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm super still still super excited for it. Uh, not super shocked by this delay. Sure. To be honest, it one is one of those games that similar to God of War, which I would not be shocked if it gets delayed as well. Uh, but they seem pretty adamant that it's coming out. Um, we just haven't seen a lot of it, yeah. and I feel like, especially for Nintendo, if we weren't gonna see a lot of it by like E3 season, like. Normally, this is one of those games where the entire direct would be Breath of the Wild direct. Absolutely. Um, and because we hadn't gotten that yet, and because we really had only seen, what is it, like two cutscenes from it? Yeah. Um, Ones I, that looked basically like they were in Breath of the Wild Yeah, one. they could have been. Yeah, exactly. Um, those could have been done, you know, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was not hopeful. And, you know, we'd never heard of a specific date. We just heard 2022. Uh, so not a big surprise. You and I are both of the camp of delays are always a good thing because they make the game better. Uh, and Lord knows that this year has had a plethora of huge game releases already and is slated to have an even more huge releases. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that is fine. Pace out our time a little bit more. That way, like God of War and Breath of the Wild 2 aren't dropping the same week or something crazy um, like Horizon and Elden Ring kind of did. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. I think, you know, a lot of people are, are pissed off about it. They're always going to be. And I always think yeah. that's silly anyway. Um, but yeah. Once a game actually comes out or has come out. Yeah. Have you ever heard someone say, I wish that game hadn't have been delayed? No, I've it's never always heard the opposite. That. It's always it's like, like, I'm, I'm glad, glad this they delayed, been delayed it. Yeah. yeah. Like once the delay is over, you don't care anymore. Right. And you're, you don't see the effects that that had. So you're like, if you say, I wish this game hadn't have been delayed, you know, be careful what you wish for. Cause there might've been bugs graphical stuff that's just you know you never know what they were fixing yeah and like i think there's a difference between this and like the gta 6 thing oh yeah where gta 6 is we all know what's happening but you know it could be 2028 Mm -hmm. and at that point i get why people might be impatient um you know if it's just a year or probably more likely like six months uh take all the time you need yeah and next story which could have filled the whole show arguably yes PlayStation has officially revealed their new subscription service, which is officially called PlayStation Plus. We said this. Yeah. And I tweeted that I'm pissed off at myself. <laughs> this should have been called PlayStation Platinum. Or what? it's a three-tiered subscription service, which I'm about to read most of the, or a lot of the article from the PlayStation blog. Um, it's a three-tiered subscription service system. Why is the last tier not called, like, Platinum? Yeah, it should be Platinum Gold Silver. It's dumb. Or something like that. Marketers at Sony, <laughs> you fumbled the bag on this one. <laughs> I don't. I think PlayStation Plus is probably a better name if they're sure, looking to combine the, all the services. service itself. But I agree. The tier should be the trophy names. So, all-new PlayStation Plus launches in June with 700-plus games and more value than ever. Okay, do you want to? Do we want to talk about points as you go, or do you want to read it all and then talk about it after? We read it all. Or at least if you want to okay. jump in at any point. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, don't love that the first thing they're advertising is quantity. <laughs> but sure. Go, but go ahead. Fair. <laughs> uh, and this is written by Jim Ryan, president and CEO of SIE himself. There you go. Uh, Since launching PlayStation Plus in 2010, SIE has been at the forefront of innovation with game subscription services. Have they? (laughs) (laughs) They were? This is... And then they weren't. Yeah. This was a direct answer to a different game competitor's service. Yeah. We were thrilled to be the first console membership service that included a refreshed library of games through PlayStation Plus and also launched the first console game streaming service with PlayStation Now. (laughs) 
we at Sony are not going to get into the fact that we gave people free games on PlayStation Plus because our freaking network went down for like two months and that was the first PlayStation Plus game. Today, we are pleased to share with you official news about changes coming to our subscription services. This June, yep. so three months from now, pretty soon, uh, we're bringing together PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now in an all-new PlayStation Plus subscription service that provides more choice to customers across three membership tiers globally. Okay, hold just a second. Of course. Do you remember, this is a fun little trivia question for you, do you remember the name of the company Sony bought to make PlayStation Now? Gaikai. Freaking Gaikai. And this was always like, I remember this being like a... Big deal, theoretically, at the time. Yes. People thought that, like, game streaming was, like, the next foray. Yes. And it's almost like people never thought about the possibility of, like, well, if you have, like, a Netflix-style, like, subscription service, I guess you could just let them download the games, yeah. you know? and it runs way better. Yeah. Yeah. So, last little bit here before the tiers themselves. Our focus is on providing high-quality, curated content with a diverse portfolio of games that has an asterisk beside it, which is never a good thing. Wait, which part? Diverse portfolio? Diverse portfolio of games. Let me see. Where's the asterisk at? I guess, okay, the asterisk links to pricing, so I guess it's the diverse. How diverse the portfolio is depends on how much you're willing to pay. Sure. So, below is an overview of the three membership tiers. PlayStation Plus Essential is tier one benefits provides the same benefits that ps plus members are getting today such as two monthly downloadable games exclusive discounts cloud storage online multiplayer access there are no changes for existing ps plus members in this tier so this is basically just playstation plus as it currently exists yes uh, and that'll be in the u.s 9.99 a month 24.99 per quarter Fifty nine ninety nine yearly. Same price it is now. Yeah, and very slightly from country to country sure. as the currencies do themselves. Yeah. Next tier, PlayStation Plus Extra, provides all the benefits from the essential tier. This reads like a Kickstarter. <laughs> adds a catalog of up to 400 asterisk of the most <laughs> enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play. This is $14.99 a month in the U.S. And then you have PlayStation Plus Premium. Not Platinum. Not Platinum. It's regrettable. Benefits. Provides all the benefits from Essential and Extra. Adds up to 340 additional games. So $740. Including... And this is where people have gotten a little annoyed. PS3 games available via cloud streaming. Yeah. And then a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations. Uh, also offers R-I-P cloud... Vita. Yeah. Offers cloud streaming access for OG PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games offered in the extra and premium tiers in markets two asterisks Whoa. where PlayStation Now is currently available. Customers can stream games using PS4 and PS5 consoles and PC. Oh, I didn't see that part. Yeah, that says it here. Time-limited game trials will also be offered in this year, so customers can try select games before they buy. So demos. $17.99 per month. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to finish finish out? Uh, Is there anything else left? There is... Uh, PlayStation Plus Deluxe, which will be only in select markets, it says. Okay, I didn't see this. Uh, it says for markets without cloud streaming. Oh. So it's just sort of a so variation. So yeah, not us. Yeah. 
Uh, the extra and premium tiers represent a major evolution for PlayStation Plus. It's basically just PlayStation Plus plus PlayStation Now. Yeah. Uh, with these tiers, our key focus is to ensure that the hundreds of games we offer will include the best quality content that sets us apart. At launch, we plan to include titles such as Death Stranding. Yay. God of War. Yay. Marvel's Spider-Man. Yay. Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yay. Mortal Kombat 11. Yay. And Returnal. Yay. All uh, games we said last exactly. week, by the way. We're good. We're good. We're working closely with our imaginative developers from PlayStation Studios and third-party partners to include some of the best gaming experiences available with a library that will be regularly refreshed. More details to come on the games we'll have on our new PlayStation Plus service. Uh, and it says PlayStation Now will transition into the new PS Plus offering, will no longer be available as a standalone service. PS Now customers, this is what you said, yeah. will migrate over to PlayStation Plus Premium with no increase to their current subscription fees at launch. So basically, your PlayStation Now becomes PlayStation Plus Premium for the duration of your membership. So go buy a PlayStation Now subscription right now. Absolutely. I just saw... Uh, as I was, you know, about to come over here, right now I think it's it's either fifty or sixty dollars for like a year. Yes. Of now, that would be double the price if you wait. Yeah. So I wonder if you should buy like two years of it and just stack because I think you can stack them. I right? know you can stack plus. I don't know if you can stack now. That's for those people might, out might there. Might be the move. Into. Might be the move. Uh, and then yeah, the rest of it is just you know sort of puff PC. Sure. Uh, but that's all the nitty gritty of the subscriptions themselves. It's about what I expected it yes, would be. Yeah. And, you know, there's not much more to say. Like it is PlayStation Plus plus PlayStation Now with a few relevant first party games just and, sort of peppered in there. And upgrades. So I in preparation for this topic, uh looked through the PlayStation Now library. And I don't I'm know sure that was not fun. It wasn't. I don't know the number of games there. I'm gonna guess probably hundred and fifty, maybe. 200 uh the amount of games that are like oh i want to play that probably less than 30 yeah <laughs> like it is that's the thing that worries me about this them leading with quantity now granted 700 is a lot more than that so gr- you're probably gonna land some some better stuff but the thing about game pass if we're gonna compare this directly to game pass which is what this is uh is a and this i don't know if you have this as a separate story or just want to talk about it now the fact that uh, they have already said that games are not coming to PlayStation Plus immediately. Oh, I, no, I did not include this separately. Okay, so just so it said, uh, Jim Ryan, I think it was Jim Ryan, already said that like God of War Ragnarok is not going to be on the service immediately at launch. They were like, that doesn't make sense for our model. You know, we. he said some thing about like gamers won't get the premium experience or whatever. You know, they, he tried to twist it, but it was not a very good job. Sure. Um, basically just saying, no, we need the money from the sales of the game, which is understandable. Um, and I, I've never been opposed to that, but I hope that that's not just always the case. I hope that there are games that are smaller, like something like Astrobot scale. Sure. That should come to the service day one. Um, or even something like uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy mm-hmm. could come to the service day one. Things like that. You don't have to put God of War Ragnarok there, but... Um, I mean, you have to entice people to buy this service somehow. Exactly, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, if if this is just the same group, because God of War is already on now, Spider-Man is already on now, I think, or was at one point. Um, and then, like, a lot of these games are in the PlayStation Plus collection already. So, you're going to have to bring people in somehow. I don't know if that's going to be through third-party stuff. Uh, I don't know if they they have a lineup set of, like, yeah. you know, they're going to work with uh, Ubisoft or whoever, because Microsoft... 
not only do they have Microsoft games, now of course they have all the Bethesda games, but also uh, they bring in EA Play as part of Game Pass. Mm -hmm. So you can play Madden, you can play, you know, all the EA stuff. Um, So we'll see what their partnerships end up being. I hope that these 700 games aren't just filler. Yeah. Um, I'm really intrigued by what the PS2 and PS1 games will be because, you know, you can emulate all that stuff now, but... If they get some really marquee titles there, add trophies, that's going to be really fun mm-hmm. to go back through some of those games. I hope it's not the same, like, 10 or 12 that are on PlayStation now, and they that's how they count it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to, that remains to be seen. I will say, one impact this has had on me already, though, I am very hesitant to buy a game now mm. until this service launches. Sure. Because it's like, do I want to spend $10 on something that I'm going to be able to get in three months? Probably not. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, a lot remains to be seen, but I'm I'm whelmed. Sure. I'm not underwhelmed, I'm not overwhelmed. Yep. This is exactly kind of what I thought it would be. Yeah, and then the business model itself, like, you know, them saying that games, high-profile first-party games, probably not coming to the service day one, is short-sighted. Sure. But you know that they've they've had the discussion. They're like, here's the long-term value proposition if we do this. Yeah. And they just said no. Like, that's the thing. You know yeah. that they would said, we're going to get a ton more subscribers if we have these games on the service day one. Sure. And then they just weighed the cost-benefit of how much or how much they're going to reap the rewards of 15 million God of War Ragnarok sales. You know, yeah. whatever yeah, stupid yeah. numbers that game's going to sell. Right. So, I... You know, Xbox made the bold decision early on with Game Pass to say, hey, we're going to put some of our highest profile games on here day one. Yeah. And it's doing okay for them. Yeah. Uh, So I feel like that's an adaptation that is inevitable. It's just when do they bite the bullet and do it? I don't know when. Here's my my hope. Because I think PlayStation Plus was probably at its best in the early years. Sure. Because it feels like they had more momentous stuff on the platform. Then Games with Gold came out. Then uh, Amazon Prime started doing it. And it kind of made everything a little more like, okay, that's coming to Plus. I might play it. Mm -hmm. Um, My hope is that this doesn't somehow dilute Game Pass. And Xbox goes, well, PlayStation has this many subscribers without putting their AAAs on their day one. What if we just revoke that clause? Mm. I think that'd be a stupid move because, you know, I had Game Pass for a little while, got it again when Halo Infinite came out, yeah. and have had it ever since because I have seen the benefit of like, oh, unpacking's really cool. Tunic looks cool. I'm going to play that. Like, there's, that's the kind of, that's the reason you put a AAA there. You get someone like me to subscribe because they want to play the AAA, and then they see, oh my God, there's a bunch of other games I want to play. Yeah. I'll just keep this. Why not? Um, so I don't know without that marquee title and maybe for some it will be like miles morales or returnal or games that they've you know because like our buddy skinny never bought returnal he's Mm -hmm. like great i'm gonna get to play returnal it's gonna be awesome um so maybe that will be enticing enough for some people but it's not gonna entice as many people as your biggest game being on their day one yeah and with you know game pass my thought has always been okay i've got the few games that when i bought it i'm like okay here's what i want to play yeah but i'm confident that even if I don't add a game for months with Game Pass, eventually there will be a game that drops on there that basically I'll have gotten my money's worth in that game when it eventually drops, which that is a question mark as it stands right now with PlayStation's service. Right, exactly. Who knows? It's going to be so imperative that the first couple of months of this are awesome. Yeah. Because if not, they are going to set the precedent that this is just worse Game game Pass. uh, Game Plus. Uh, 
because basically that's what now did right uh-huh. now was like oh shit it's playstation's game pass and then well that might have been before game pass but uh you know the the it, we have always had this like e3 prediction of you know oh they're gonna really hammer into now and it's gonna become game pass mm-hmm. um and they never did so they really need to reset expectations with this new service and hopefully they come out and Ideally, they just give a bunch of people a lot of awesome games to play, and we're all happy. Yeah, and this is a fall that should set it up pretty easily to do that, but yeah. it doesn't look like they're going to lean into it, so yeah. we shall see. Uh, quick other little note here. This isn't a full-fledged story. This is a story about the potential of a story. Okay. But as long as we're on the Sony note, there are rumors swirling that have been uh, you know, talked about by the likes of you know Greg Miller Jeff Grubb from Games Beat, that there is a possible another large Sony acquisition on the horizon. Mm. We don't know who. Okay. All they've said that is what they have heard, and they had a mutual discussion about this, was that it is big. Okay. And that's all we really know at this phase. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we sort of had a whole topic prognosticating about the possible acquisitions a couple weeks ago. So yep. if you want to revisit our thoughts on that. I don't think any of us mentioned Bungie at the time, so it's entirely possible yeah. wherever we're going next with them could be somewhere completely out of left field, but who knows? What if it's FromSoft? Uh, I mean... I, I doubt it. I I think they made too much money. I was say, I almost doubt it now. Yeah. Because Elden Ring is now a bona fide, you know, superstar smash hit. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be paying dividends for From for a while, but yeah. yeah, I really don't know where they would go now, unless they go to one of the big obvious, like, UB, Ubisoft, right? EA, I don't know, whoever. They're not going to do EA. But, they wouldn't buy EA. Uh, Xbox would, but yeah, <laughs> PlayStation would. might not. Yeah. So, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for that one. Could be months. Could benefit the service, too. Could be hours. Yeah. We don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen, but yeah. it could happen. I don't think I'll make that a breakout. Uh, yeah, just tack that onto the end there as a yeah. Sony thing. Yeah. But what you do need to make a breakout. Okay is you no longer have to break out of structures in Fortnite that have been built <laughs> because Fortnite has officially added a no-build mode. Yes, it has. Uh, it's called Zero Build. Yeah, I. Th- this is the first time maybe ever that I've been like, oh, maybe I'll play Fortnite. So is it that... Ga- do you feel like it was that gatekeep- it, gatekeeped of like, oh, if you can't build and you don't want to put in the time in to learn, you might as well just not jump in? Yeah. I think that's fair. Because I... You know, I came from, this is going to go way back. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast okay. of your Fortnite days and my PUBG days. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I was I was really into the PUBG community. That's basically all I streamed for a little while. That and Overwatch, which seems like miles away from who I am now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, at the time it was really fun. Um, and, yeah, so I played a lot of PUBG. Knew PUBG really well. Obviously, Fortnite came out with the, the Fortnite we know came out after PUBG yeah. uh, because Fortnite before that was called Fortnite Saves the World. It was a single player thing. And then they kind of modeled that into a battle royale with the success of PUBG. I don't know if it was direct correlation, but it seemed to be at the no, time. I, I think it was. <laughs> um, and then obviously Fortnite took off in a way that PUBG never did because it appealed to a younger audience and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that was difficult for me coming from PUBG was the building. Mm-hmm. That was an aspect that I had never experienced before. <coughs> um, and not saying I couldn't have taken the time to learn it. I'm sure I could have. But it was just an added element and kind of took away from what I wanted a Battle Royale to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be more, looking back, PUBG is so slow. And I think Apex is kind of the ideal middle ground for me. Um, but with, you know, with being used to PUBG, it was more strategic and more about, like, your 
placement of yourself and your teammates and is this i mean a lot of the stuff is crossover i'm sure but there was never oh i'm just going to build a tower and that's how every game ends is someone's building a tower like it felt more dynamic and less this is the one idea that everyone does Mm -hmm. and i just didn't like that about Fortnite. so the no build thing makes it seem like it could go back to a PUBG style or apex style shooting is is king and it's more about strategy and and that kind of thing yeah and i agree because when i you know I got hot and heavy into Fortnite for a year, year and a half. I yeah. don't know exactly how long the time span was. Uh, it was like late first season, or really not even late first season, from like, you know, or what are the, the breakdowns are like, is season like the long era of time and then it has the increments in between or is each little increment a season? I don't know. I think it is. Whatever. There's the the OG island. Yeah. I was there for like season three on and then yeah. like the beginning of what I think was season two, like the big revamp of the sure. island, whatever that all, all that to say, um, I was decent enough at building to get by. Yeah. Um, and when you were with a group of people, it mattered a lot less cause mm. you know, three people building together can accomplish a lot more. And at a certain point there's like diminishing returns with how quickly and how sure. high you can build whatever your fortress is going to be in the end game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never felt like I was going to be able to win big and win consistently because I would most of the time get like murked in the last like 30 seconds by right. a dude who was just like able to quick edit and shoot me through whatever, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I fell out of Fortnite just, I got bored of it because you hit your ceiling, your skill ceiling. Sure. And not playing on PC is also part of that because building, you know, is can be done easier on PC yeah, in with certain all the, ways. Yeah, all the hotkeys Do your stuff. quick little, like, I've seen people move a mouse, so like, I don't know, in ways that I didn't know mouses could move. <laughs> yeah. It was like a real mouse, but if it had like eight legs, <laughs> which is horrifying. Um, yeah. You know, doing crazy stuff that it was just never, I was never going to get there. I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, this idea is interesting enough, but I'm also far enough out of it at this point that I don't feel compelled to go back. And when I played it later, I sort of for What is the past sense of forego? Forwent? <laughs> is that... I mean, that's the Maybe. first thing I thought. I forwent uh, building excessively anyway and was like, if I'm going to win, I'm going to win the way I play. I'm just going to win less. Uh, so right. I did win some games with minimal building, and I'm just like, I'm just going to shoot your towers down and then if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't so it is four went four went yeah so i four went building and then it's you know might have got four wins total uh after that point so nice. uh yeah good for those who this sort of brings back into the fold sure Le- levels the playing field a lot that's for sure and i at least yeah. think on the surface that's good for the game yeah totally so and that's it for the news because okay the last news story is the big topic wow, of today. Wow, wow, wow. And that is E3's canceled. Yeah. They canceled it. Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, they canceled it during COVID. <laughs> Cuz COVID. Cuz COVID. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But they just canceled it again. They yeah. had E3 last year. Yeah. COVID was still going on last year. Yeah. COVID's not over now. No, we're but not I mean, saying that by any means. You know, it is much more under control. <laughs> we, we have vaccines now. Uh, so I was, you know, under the full assumption that we would have a, maybe not 100% normal, yeah. but relatively normal E3 type season this year. Like a virtual but one. But E3 has been officially canceled. Yeah. So this topic is sort of like a loose discussion. And I kind of want to, okay. 
wanted to discuss the potential future, but also potentially just mourn <laughs> yeah. E3. Yeah. Because I kind of think we might be witnessing the death of E3 as we know it. I think so, man. I, this is this has been the trend for a while now that, you know, I think ever since, I don't remember the exact year. It was probably like 2018 mm-hmm. when uh, Sony first said, we're just going to do our own thing. Yeah. Like, it's going to be during E3. We're not we're not gonna do it at E three. It was the thing with like all the tents and stuff, right? Uh-huh. With like Last of Us Two, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, there were four games shown. I don't remember the other two. Returnal, maybe. Um, and like ever since then, it seems like. And granted, this makes sense. Okay, let's talk about the history of E three. So E three started as many of these like expos for different things do, as an idea of this is our one day a year where. You know, at the time it would have been like Nintendo and maybe Sega. Sega was at early E3s. So I don't know if they were at the first E3. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea was let's get all of the press in one spot. We'll show them everything we have planned for a year. They go out, <coughs> and it's not just people at like EGM, but it's also people at like USA Today and the New York Times yeah. writing about what's coming in the new, the, the new year for gaming. And that was the idea to get everybody together, even people who don't write about video games necessarily. To show them, hey, games are real. This is what we're showing you. It was for like marketing efficiency, right? Exactly. Like we can show them all every, we can show every journalist that is relevant everything now. Yes, we don't have to be spending money all throughout the year marketing our stuff. Right. This is pre-internet, obviously, when most media was through written or through TV. Uh, yeah, and it just made everything super efficient. It's a good way to say it. Then, of course, it evolved into what you and I knew E3 as, as more of a, it's still a media thing mostly, but. Uh, you know, it's more fantastical. It's shown to the like normal people like you and me. For example, the first E3 I remember was on G4. Mm. Uh, it was obviously before streaming or anything. And it was kind of approached in the same way that a lot of places do like Comic-Con or whatever. Where it's like, you know, we're here on the floor. We sent so-and-so to go check out this new game. Yeah. And then they would show the big conferences. Um, and then it probably evolved another step into the like streaming world kind of aspect of it. Uh, and they started letting normal people come. Yep. That was a big thing that a lot of games journalists spoke out against. It was like, this is stupid. This is only going to confuse what this event is. Mm-hmm. Before, even when it was on TV or in the early days of streaming, it was still a press-only event, meaning there were certain things that they could do and show to make it less of a PAX or a Comic-Con that where you have to appeal to the normal customer yeah. and more hey, everyone's going to get 15 minutes behind closed doors to go check this out, then you can go write about it. Um, when they added regular people, A, it only crowded the space and it pissed a lot of people off. But B, it also changed the tone of the show to make it more like another, you know, PAX kind of thing. So then we entered this latest era where, you know, Nintendo, I think, might have been the first to pull out of the big companies. I think so. And well, they were the first to do non-live presentations of like right. the big ones. They just did their directs that yeah. were pre-filmed and they would just air concurrently with other E3 goings and on. I think even before the directs they did like the treehouse thing, yeah. right? Which was hey, we're going to do it during E3 but it's not actually at E3. Yeah. We're on our own, you know, we're two blocks away or whatever. Um, now, I don't know the real reason they did that other than maybe it was easier to manage their own space rather than, you know, work through someone else's. I don't know. There's probably fees aligned with E3. Um, Let's also not forget that E3 had uh, 
all of its journalist information leak uh-huh. one year. So uh, they've never been a paragon of like, you know, trust. But yeah, it seems like more and more companies are discovering, and we've you and I have theorized about this in the past, that it is better to own your own day. And you can do that now through the power of the internet. You can just say, hey, we're doing our, you know, summer news outlet, whatever yeah. you want to call it, uh, our summer showcase. We're doing that two weeks from when E3 normally would be. That way, you get all your news and you get all the headlines, your every story on IGN or whatever. Um, so everybody has slowly discovered if we do it all at the same time, some of our games are going to get buried. And if we do it all separately, then we might get the spotlight. So it's kind of an inevitability. Yeah. but It's a format that is regrettably obsolete. Yes. Like, yeah. With the proliferation of streaming. I mean, they... You know, why they honestly were up to a certain point in the last few years, even having, well, I mean, some places, some uh, companies didn't do this, like having a live audience, whether it was normal citizens or journalists. <laughs> citizens. <laughs> like, if a journalist can stream it from their office, from their house, wherever, why are you paying to fly these people out, like blah, right. blah, blah, yeah. uh, put them up and let them come to the show? Everything is so easily accessible now that, yes. You know, combining all this into a huge event that admittedly was fun for us. Sure. Because it is, it's gaming Christmas, but now that sort of hype is just dispersed. Yes. Uh, throughout little events, random announcements throughout the year. Yeah. Or at least that seems to be the way that we're going. It makes sense. It just is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you think, here's, here's what I would theorize. I think that most companies of note your xbox your sony maybe um and then maybe like ubisoft ea those kinds of people i think there will still be one marquee event they do a year and it's probably going to be in the summer but i just don't think they're all going to be in the same week like they used to be because i think xbox was the last one to be like no we are at e3 yeah we're doing an e3 show we are and that was a pretty smart move on their part to sort of garner some goodwill yeah um because you know it made him seem like no we still love this idea we still think it's fun for people and it is it's it, it sort of it used to be a uh like a bacchanal of games announcements where it was just like here's oh, yeah. everything enjoy someone's gonna like anything out here um so you know now with it being limited that kind of sucks but I, I i hope that we don't do i hope that there is still one major show yeah. I'm fine with supplementary, you know, directs or, you know, PlayStation showcases, whatever they're called. Um, I'm fine with doing a couple of those a year, but I think there's something to be said for the, hey, you're not going to want to miss this one. Yes. This is our supplemental this. for E3 show. Um, and Xbox has not adapted or adopted, rather, this, uh, this direct thing. They really do just do one show. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping... You know, you and I play mostly on PlayStation, but I'm kind of cheering for Xbox in this regard of like, no, show the value of getting all your announcements out at once. It's probably going to spike console sales. Like, I think there is a really smart aspect of just doing one thing a year as opposed to several throughout the year. Yeah, the you know PlayStation seemingly moving away from the PSX model has been a very questionable decision. And we've, you know, sort of harped on about the state of state of play and yes. how we don't think that that's a good model because it, you know... There's not enough singular hype built for any of these little events. Sure. And, you know, they're games that are going to get lost in the you know shuffle there because if they want to do a, a one like they did not too long ago with the Japanese-focused, right. a lot of those games, yeah. 
I didn't watch that because there was no game that I was expecting to be on that show that was worth watching everything else. Right, exactly. And if there's one show with five marquee games being showed and then ten other less than marquee games being showed, at least you're getting some runoff attention from the rest of those big games. Great So point. it's like, it makes all the sense in the world to have your marquee event. Now I agree. Do those events all need to take place in the same week of time? No. No, because in honest, and honestly, that's bad for these companies because, yeah, own your moment. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't want, you know, the Polygon or the IGN front page being littered with stories about other companies right, right around when you have your big event. But yeah. <sighs> I just long for the days where just we knew that there are hype announcements coming. Yes. We didn't know what they were, but E3 was the time because of the structure that you knew you were going to hear about something cool. Yes. And now I don't really know when that is anymore. Right. Um, now, Jeff Keeley has tweeted that, you know, in his summer of games and opening night live these are still things and this is probably going to supplant e3 this year for all intents and purposes will sure. it be what e3 has been in the past in terms of scale maybe not but jeff Keeley had some really awesome moments last year yeah uh not only between opening night live and summer games fest the game awards sure i mean this man is kind of singularly taking over the hype announcement space yeah so i'm curious to see if he capitalizes on the lack of an e3 what do you do you have any thoughts about what he might do to adapt i i don't know i think i think he would have to i think the opening night live thing is confusingly branded sure so i would i would lean toward the summer game show whatever they call that uh is it summer games fest is that well, what summer games fest is like a it's literally like three months of little things yeah and there's like steam sales and um, things like that and then there's opening night live which i remember opening night live la- the last one because that's when they really showed off Elden Ring for the first time. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so maybe it's that. Maybe and then that there's becomes... like the span of things. And then he does a show at the end of the summer. Mm. And I forget the name of that one off the top of my head. But yeah, he just sort of, it's sporadic and less concentrated. But I mean, that's a cool idea. Again, though, I think it goes back to the, if you're Xbox and Sony, do you want to compete at the same show for, for clicks? Or yeah. do you want to just do your own thing? Um, one thing that I'm going to personally mourn uh, since this is almost a wake for E3 oh, at this yeah. point, is uh, the the few but incredible times that a company has gotten a one-up on another company immediately thereafter. Well, I'll tell you what. Since we've sort of said our piece about what we think is going on with the state of E3, I do sure. want to transition because the second half of what I wanted this conversation to be is just our favorite memories oh, okay. from E3. Yeah, 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 sure. And absolutely... These were going to come up. Yes. Uh, so the most notable for us, I think, or anyone around our age, is the uh, Sony PS4, Xbox One, uh, basically Sony just saying, hey, all the stuff you don't like from Xbox One is not on the PS4. Yeah. Um, so Xbox One came out, I think, was it morning and night or was it two separate days? Because um, Xbox is always that morning. I want to say it was two separate days. Okay. But yes, Xbox was always at like, no, it was the same was day because like Xbox is like Saturday noon, morning and PlayStation was Saturday something, night. Something. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so Xbox comes out. It's We know that they're both announcing their new consoles. Um, Microsoft's announcing the Xbox One. And uh, this was honestly a pretty momentous moment in just the future of what game consoles oh, would, would be. and. I think you can point a lot of different things back to this particular day. Um, Xbox just kind of misjudged what people would want 
for their gaming console. So when they came out, sure, they talked about some video games. I think like Quantum Break was there. Uh, that whatever that was, uh, Rome? Rise, Rome? Rise, that's it. Uh, Rise with a Y. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were some other games that they showed. Did they show a Halo then? Was uh, this would have been launch? Halo Five. That would have been a ballpark around the time of Halo. Okay, 5. so maybe maybe there was that. But the big thing they were showing, or one of the big things they focused on, they spent like twenty minutes on it, was TV integration. Uh-huh. Basically, how your Xbox One could become a new cable box. Um, and then shortly after the show, they uh, they tried to sort of sweep under the rug that they were announcing a DRM policy. This, uh, people, God. So DRM basically means if you buy a game. Like, say I buy, you know, Elden Ring, whatever. If I play Elden Ring on my console, I cannot then give Jay my copy of Elden Ring to go play it. because It's like linked to your account. Yeah, I own the only, like, copy for that disc. Uh, Steam is basically a DRM thing, but it's just tied to your account. All digital purposes. Yeah, digital is just... Is DRM. Yeah. But if it's physical, you know, the idea that you can just sell your game or give it to someone else or sell it to GameStop, whatever. Um... So they came out and they said, our console has DRM. You know, if you buy a physical copy, it's tied to your t- tied to your account. So then Sony, later that night, did they make a jab about the TV thing? I feel like they did, right? Didn't they say like... Are you saying on stage? Yes. Or was I that know. after? That they were like, we're focusing only on games. I feel no, like they, they said something like that. Because uh, I forget the guy's name. Shuhei? No. The guy who did the presentation at the time. He has since left the company, but he was like the shorter, blonde... Um, Oh, what's a- his Andrew House? No, that's a different guy. Andrew House was in the video with Shuhei, right? That made fun of the DRM thing, but that was after. Yeah. Um. God, I forget his name. Jim? Something? No, it's Jim Ryan now. Is he like the? Oh God. You know exactly. Yeah, who no, I'm I know exactly about. what you're talking about. But anyway. I do. No, you're right because I remember him coming out on stage and being so. He might have. He could have just been like. Games. Yeah, and people would have cheered. Yeah. <laughs> we like games yeah. at PlayStation. That was like the whole vibe of their show. They right. undercut them on cost, yes. didn't they? Yes, because the Xbox was like... It was 500 to PS4 500, was 400. 400, yeah. Um, they undercut them on cost. They nailed them with the games vibe. They were like, we're not... We make game consoles. Yeah. We like games. We're for the gamers, um, yeah. Yeah, they just... It was set up so beautifully yes. for them to counter what Xbox had done. Yeah. Uh, and the the biggest moment, of course, being uh, I'm gonna look up that guy's name. Yeah, when uh, when they were talking about sort of the system specs or whatever, uh, they basically said, "And now we're gonna show a quick video on how you can share games with your friends on PlayStation." And it literally just cut to a video of Shuhei and I guess Andrew House. Yeah. And Shuhei just has a copy of whatever game and hands it to Andrew House. And he's like, enjoy. Thanks. And that's it. Yeah. And that's the great. whole video. It's very smart. Obviously something that they filmed on set at E3. Like yeah. Very quick counter. Smart stuff. Um, but that's not the only one that's happened. Or you're looking up his name, right? Yeah, I'm still trying to find it. Okay. I'll, I'll, this I'll man's talk. name might be lost to history. <laughs> uh, so... This is not the only time this like sort of gotcha moment has happened at E3. Uh, one of the most famous ones being, uh, I I think it was the Dreamcast and the N sixty four. I don't remember the specifics of this. It's been a little while since I've read Console Wars, but basically, uh, you know, Nintendo came out. They had their new system, and Sega basically came out and said, "Hey, this is our system. It can do all the technical shit the N64 can, but better. Also, it's a hundred dollars cheaper." Mm. And it like blew everyone's mind. 
Um, so that was that was from the earlier days of the media, but there's still video from it. Jack Trenton. Jack Trenton. Wow, yeah. that is that is his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So those kinds of moments are always a highlight for me. Of the you know, in Sega's case, sort of the scrappy underdog finally getting up one over on yeah. Nintendo, and then in Sony's case, just your marketing team playing the absolute right note uh, after a, after a clunker from your competitor. Yeah, and then beyond the you know console and. The most hype years of E3, or at least leading up to it, were always like, you know, we're getting a new console. Right. And you assume we're getting announcements of games that are next generation, you know. Yeah, even G- though... God <laughs> rays and ray tracing. <laughs> even though launch games are never that shadows good. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you wanted to hear all that technical jibber-jabber. Yeah. 37 um, teraflops. But beyond that, like... Yeah. What were some of your favorite just game announcement moments mm. from E3 history? Because I've told the story on this podcast of the Spider-Man PS4 announcement, yeah. which you know absolutely rocked my world because I was with you. Now, a lot of these we probably share. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say, we've been in the same room for a lot of these now. Uh, God of War God is of War definitely awesome. one of mine because just the moment of, you know, I, I played a lot of God of War growing up. That was one of my, probably one of my most played PS2 games, honestly, yeah. or one most played PS2 tra- franchises. Um, and... Just the slow reveal of, oh, my God, that's Kratos. Holy shit, this is God of War. Like, that was pretty awesome. Um, Which we should just acknowledge that that whole show yes, uh, was incredible. Easily, to me, the best E3 show yeah. ever. Um, in the same show, and these might be fresh on my mind because this is one of the only E3 shows I've ever gone back and watched yeah, multiple times. Too. Uh, the Crash Bandicoot announcement of them finally getting Crash and doing a remastered trilogy and like that was yeah, awesome. Which we said so that was God of War, yep. Spider Man, yep. Crash, Horizon, Horizon, Days Gone, Resident the Evil Last 7. Guardian, Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, um, there was a Lego game there. There was Call of Duty there. Call of Duty uh, was there. Those were the ones that were like the big announcements. Yeah, set. Horizon had been pre-announced, but that was the first gameplay. Yeah, uh, extended. And then, but all the rest of those were like new game announcements. Yeah. It was just brain breaking how R- many there were. RE seven being in VR. Yeah, I remember when people were like, "Oh my god!" And not knowing it was RE. Yeah, because it was just uh, the kitchen demo that right. apparently had been sort of like a played out thing and you know behind closed doors for some journalists in the past. And yeah. people were like, "I recognize this." Yeah. And then the reveal of it being RE, some people lost their shit. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a great show. I remember being with you. Okay. For the Fallout 4 announcement. Oh, yeah. In your was, old bedroom. Yeah, that was Bethesda's first show, right? I think so. One we of their were, first shows. That was, I think that was our justification. We're like, well, why are they doing their own show <laughs> yeah, if yeah. they're not going to announce this? Right. Um, yeah, that was pretty hype. That was a big one. Yeah. Uh, good old Todd Phillips. And then for me, you know, nothing has come of it since, but when Elder Scrolls 6 was announced, you know, I was like, you know, over the moon. Sure. I'm way under it now, but... <laughs> I mean, you kind of got everything you could ask for with Elden Ring, though, yeah, right? Yeah, like, that's, that's absolutely true. <laughs> that's kind of a surprise uh, counter to that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other really hype. I mean, <laughs> it's become a meme, but Peggle 2 <laughs> sure. was awesome to me because I never thought that game was ever going to be anything else. Uh, Keanu? Keanu was big. That Keanu was, was, that was fun. shocking. Uh, if only the game had, you know, lived up to the hype of that moment. <laughs> Which I've heard decent things about it it's now. It's gotten better. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain for any other really big E3. Hmm. It's always fun when celebrities get involved, usually because it's bad. Yeah. So, th- like, that one time that we were watching EA 
and then like they brought Pele on stage oh, for yeah, like 30 yeah. minutes and we were like what is happening well like so we've sort of kept up the tradition of predicting E3 season stuff and that was always one thing of like someone's predicting like ex athletes coming out during the EA show <laughs> yeah. which this is another you know we talk about our favorite moments as they come to us but sure. there's also the funny tropes of E3 yeah the just dance trailer every year <laughs> You know, things like that. That one year that they used radioactive in like six different different trailers. That was so funny. Well, that was what uh, Jack Trenton entered to (laughs) the night that PlayStation 4 got the one up on Xbox One. He came out to radioactive. And that was like the fourth time we had heard it that day. It was so funny because it was like a Call of Duty trailer. I I forget what else it was in. But um, okay, if you had to, if you had to rank like not saying E3 is dead, but we're kind of acting like E3 is dead. If you had to rank companies based on E3 success, how would you rank them? Ah, it is really tough to say because they've had their moments. Sure. Um, I kind of think consistency wise, I kind of think Xbox is the best, you know, E3 performer consistently. Yeah. Um, they always have a pretty good show. Yeah. And then they, you know, you we can reflect on how, you know, their philosophy was a little off on sure. the Xbox One launch, but they corrected all that stuff. Right. And that's what made Xbox what it is now. I mean, I don't know if Phil Spencer was with a company when, or in the role he is now, uh, when the TV stuff happened, I can't remember, yeah. but it seemed like that TV misstep has been like the reason Game Pass exists, the reason they did their whole, we're focusing on games thing. Um, it seems like their philosophy changed, like you said is a direct result of an E3 thing. Yep. Like, for being malleable, like, I commend yeah. Xbox in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think I would slightly put Sony ahead, if only because I think the they have had the best show more times than Xbox. That's true. I think Sony, like, granted, Sony can underwhelm, um, but when it's right, it's right, and I feel like they, they have the highest highs to me. Now, granted, I agree with that. You and I are big PlayStation guys. I, I don't think we either of us like shit on Xbox to any degree. We're both Game Pass subscribers and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, our home console is Sony. So, you know, consider that a bias if you want. But I think they have the library of IP to excite more people with sequels and with, you know, uh, even just the the developers they have under their umbrella yeah. right we even though we had never played an insomniac spider-man game when we heard insomniac spider-man game we're like this is going to be awesome yep. because they're a really talented studio um you know xbox doesn't quite for me yet have that legacy of developers that they that outside of what a trailer presents to me i'm going to know the quality of it um so that would probably be if it's just a random announcement i'm probably picking a sony announcement sure. but as you said, if if you were to average out the scores you would give them, Xbox would probably be ahead. Xbox gets like a seven or eight. Yeah, every year. Consistently. But yeah. then there are those, you build up so much hype. So like post uh, E3, I think it was 2015 or 16, the one that we praise so much from Sony. Yeah. That like, oh, the next year you're like so jazzed. But it's an inevitable letdown. Sure. So that's the thing that you yeah. get inevitable letdowns from Sony periodically. Yeah. Um, and Sony also doesn't have... I think historically quite the same, you know, degree of third party partnerships. Sure. So you get a lot of good, you know, random sprinkled in third party games like at the Xbox. Like if you were predicting where you were going to see a big third party gameplay demo, it's probably going to be at Xbox and not at Sony. Yeah, totally. So it's a good point. The 
it's a variety. And you knew the tones were always so different. Yeah. And Sony sort of set the tone with that show that was just trailer, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. which is great. Yes. And that has sort of affected, I think, the entire... I think they sort of changed the game when totally. they started doing that because now, not only are they still doing that with the uh, state of plays, basically, sure. Nintendo Directs, for the most part, are trailer, trailer, trailer. Xbox This shows. most recent the Xbox last year, yeah. we commended them because the pace of the show was trailer, 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 trailer. Even if we don't love the games... Once you get to the game that you're interested in, if the trailers are coming hot and heavy, you forget about the trailer that you just saw that you didn't care about. Totally. Um, so, in that in that regard, Sony did pioneer the arguable best format for an E3 type show. Yeah. Uh, worst is EA, right? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, UB's close, but I feel like UB has had more interesting stuff year on year than EA. I mean, EA is... Go ahead. Devolver. Oh, Devolver's great. Devolver of I any company Devolver. has raised their profile more. <laughs> yeah, true. And maybe has won E3 in their own terms more yeah. than any other company. Yeah, that's... Just wanted to throw that that's out That's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're not competing on the scale of no. Xbox and PlayStation, but as far as honing who they are, letting people know that... Just the tone of a normal Devolver game, I guess. Like, yeah. obviously it's not all going to be the same tone, but the... There is a quality assurance to their stuff, but but yeah, making as far as doing something completely <clears throat> on your own yeah. and yeah, succeeding on that, you're totally right. Devolver's great. Devolver's never lost an E3. That's True. what I'll say. Yeah, like totally. PlayStation and Xbox, you're always like, who won E3? And there's always a loser. Yeah, but Devolver always manages to like stick their message in there. Yep, totally. Um, gosh, I'm just gonna miss it. Me too, man. Me too. But now we'll have. Four different weeks of fun stuff as opposed to one. I don't know what the fuck we're going to have. Like, we're going to have some change. You know, the landscape is just different now. Yeah. Um, we're not really certain how it's going to evolve. Uh, you know, we've said, you know, it's basically every company should take their time and, you know, take the advantage of making your own carved out event. But yeah, we'll see if they choose to follow the advice of, you know, this guy who wears sunglasses <laughs> indoors, you know. We'll see. These two schmucks. Yeah. RIP E3. RIP for now, at least. Yeah. And now, to put a pin on this, they did imply they're revamping for whatever next year is going to be. But my assumption okay. is just that the format will be different. Yeah. It will not. E3, as we know it, I have declared dead. Put the stake in the ground. Carve the epitaph. <laughs> Right off into the sunset. Right your obit. Exactly. On that somber note, <laughs> Tanner. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation for the day? I'm doing the basic thing. I'm recommending Fury this time. Okay. Uh, I, I really do think it's worth seeking out. I would recommend it to anyone who likes a little bit of a challenge in their games. Um, specifically, if you like arcadey stuff, I, I think it's the perfect length for what it is. I mean, granted, you know, I kind of mentioned that it's hard to give a four-hour game a ten, but at the same time it really succeeds at a lot of the things it tries. And I think for some people, it's going to be like a game of the year, even though it didn't come out this year, but like a, a game of the, the year that they play it in sort of contender. So Yeah. So my recommendation, and I don't think, I might have mentioned this fellow by name, but I don't think I've ever made it my formal recommendation, but on the heels of a Souls-like From game coming out, yeah. for all those who, you know, you start playing Elden Ring, and you're enjoying the game, but you're like, 
I don't really know what this game's about. Yeah. Go to Vati Vidya's YouTube oh, channel. Right. Yeah. Uh, this guy does the most in-depth <laughs> lore breakdowns. Uh, he's all, and he's done it for every FromSoft game. Yeah. It literally from Demon Souls on. Uh, there are breakdowns of the lore. There are videos about like here are the ten essential early game items. Here are fifteen hidden secrets. Like right. it's essential viewing. Once you've reached a point in the game where you've maybe decided, okay, I need some advice, I need some guidance, or I'm just curious about what the nature of this world is. Which, my first assessment, I remember when I first was talking about Elden Ring, I said that the story gist of the game was typical in that, like, you know, you're dead and you're trying to solve the problem of being undead and you keep living and dying, whatever. Yeah. I have learned a lot more, and that's not really a great representation of what the story is. Okay. Like, one of the early cutscenes calls your character is like ye and it was, the voice is epic by the way okay. it's like ye dead who yet live <laughs> and something like that so that was my take but then I was like oh you're tarnished and there was this great war and you followed this person like there's a lot that is elucidated mm. by the points that Vadividia made because he goes into the you know, if you've played a FromSoft game, every item has an item description. Sure. And sometimes that's where the story is, weirdly. Yeah. He compiles all that stuff and then tells you the lore as more of like a straightforward story. Right. Uh, in a way that's really easy to grasp. So, for all those jumping into Elden Ring, for all those who've gone back and played any of the other games and don't know what the hell, you probably... I am still get confused about what Bloodborne's about sometimes. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. So... He's a great source for all that sorts of stuff. I think that's the third Elden Ring thing you've recommended now. Between the I game... I haven't played another game in the last month. <laughs> it was the game, Elden Ring, TikTok, and then this guy. <laughs> I'll find something new by next week, I promise. <laughs> but until next week, we're tapping out.